Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of the show about science. This is your host Nate. Today, we're going to be talking about a new book from National Geographic Kids. It's going to be a lot of fun and super gross, so let's turn to page one and get started. Some animals do things that we think are yucky. They dine on dung or vomit or fingernail clippings. They live in slimy snot or rotting carcasses. To protect themselves from predators, they fling feces, roll in pee, or blast blood at their enemies. Yep, it's true. Want to know more? Then you're in for a treat. That's the introduction to a book called Ick, Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses. And I have the author, Melissa Stewart, right here on the show today. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to the show about science. Hi, I'm happy to be here. All right. Could you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am a science writer. I create books for children, more than 195 in all. And they're about everything from animals and plants to rocks and minerals to outer space. Okay, so could you tell us about your latest book, Ick, Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses? Sure, so this is a 112-page book that features 45 amazing animals that use things like pee and poop and vomit to catch their prey or to build their homes or to protect themselves from predators. Okay, so in your opinion, what's the grossest thing any animal does in this book? I think my favorite animal is a baby bird called the northern fulmar, and it defends itself by vomiting on attackers. It can fire half a dozen blasts in a row, Wow! and it can hit a target that's six feet away. This is a tiny little chick. Oh, my favorite, I think, is probably the bombardier beetle, which sprays a chemical that's as hot as boiling water um, out of its butt. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. It's pretty cool. What inspired you to write this book? I've actually been collecting the information for this book for more than 20 years, which is probably longer than you've been alive. Yeah, I think it is. (laughs) It started when I was on a trip to Africa, and I saw the black-backed jackal, which is one of the animals in the book, and the parents go out and hunt, and they eat small animals, and then they come back to the den and vomit so that the babies have something to eat. And then the next day, I saw a jerry nook, which is a kind of antelope, and it regurgitates its food just like a cow, and it regurgitates it up to four times in order to be able to digest it properly. And so Hmm. right at that moment, I started making a list of animals that vomit in order to eat. I see. So... How did you find the other animals in the book? 
So uh, most of the time when I'm doing research, there are four main ways that I get information. The first way is by reading books or magazine articles or, or articles in scientific journals. The second way is by looking at websites, although you have to be careful because you can't always trust everything on the Internet. Right. Yeah. The third way is to interview scientists or other experts. And then the fourth way is to go out and make observations myself. And so I used all of those different techniques as I was collecting information for this book. So what was your favorite scientist that you consulted with on this book? Oh, that's a really good question. So one of my favorite examples in the book is the bone-eating snot flower worm. Can you imagine that name? Isn't that name all by itself just incredible? Yeah, that page could have just been like, this creature's name says it all. Absolutely, I agree. And so it lives a mile under the surface of the ocean Mm. on rotting whale carcasses. And I interviewed a scientist named Sharon Johnson, and I just had so much fun talking to her and working with her. Okay, so in the book, you show a close-up of the bone-eating snot flower worm, and there's a photograph taken by an underwater robot showing these worms on a whale bone. So... Why did you think it was important to um, make the book as it is with all of these photos instead of a different way? Oh, that's a really good question. You know what? No one has asked me that yet. Um, There are a lot of different ways that you can make a children's book. For example, we could have used illustrations that were created by an artist. But I wanted kids to see that these are real animals, and I wanted them to see them in their environment. And the reason that I decided to submit this proposal to National Geographic is because I knew that they have one of the biggest photo archives in the world and that they would be able to find really amazing photos. Aren't the photos in this book incredible? Yeah, they're they're pretty amazing. What was it like to look at all of those photos and decide which ones you thought were the best for the book? So actually what happened is National Geographic finds the images and they will send me the one that they think is best without me seeing all the different ones that they get. But sometimes Mm -hmm. I'll say, oh, you know what, that photo isn't quite perfect because of certain reason. Yeah, you want them to be perfect. (laughs) Exactly, perfect. And so they will look as hard and as long as they need to to get the very best images. So, what is the creature that you wouldn't want to um, fight in this book? Oh, that is a good question. And I think the sand tiger shark is the answer to that question. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And the reason that it's in the book is because even before they are born, the mother lays about 50 eggs in two different compartments, Mm -hmm. and then the embryos actually fight each other. So even though she lays 50 eggs, only one of them survives. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I heard about that because it needs the nutrients from its brethren to survive and grow. So basically, whoever hatches first wins. That's exactly right. And so... 
Do you have any advice for kids who want to become science writers? Oh, that's a good question. You know, I think if you're interested in science, if you're interested in writing, and in fact, no matter what you're interested in, I think kids should just keep on doing that and enjoying it because I think that just about anything that you love could turn into a job. In fact, there's research that shows that about 50% of the jobs that will exist in 20 years don't even exist right now. Whoa. Yeah, it's unbelievable, right? So I think just do what you love and find a way to make it the thing that you do for your whole life as your job. Okay. Once again, the name of the book is Delightfully Disgusting Animal Dinners, Dwellings, and Defenses by Melissa Stewart. Melissa, thank you so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me. There you have it, folks. The show about science is complete. Music on this episode comes from soundslikeanearful.com and Epidemic Sound. And our theme song was written by Jeff Dan and Teresa Brooks. Okay, Dad, you can shut the recording off.